we are in uh, the fourth week of our repeat uh, series. We've been looking at some scriptures that are looked at and are presented in the Old Testament and get repeated often in the New Testament. And uh, we, these are things we've read over. If you've read through the Bible very many times, you've read over them over and over again. And maybe, maybe you noticed that, hey, this, gets, this shows up a lot. Maybe you didn't. And so, obviously, the first one we looked at was, was some of the big ones. Was love God with all your heart. That one shows up a number of times. Love your neighbor as yourself. That one shows up over and over again. And so we're going to look at another one today. But let's just go ahead and get into your notes. I want to apologize that our notes on version are not up. So don't just keep refreshing, refreshing. They're not there. Okay? They're not there. So we've got the paper ones. We're old school all the way today. And so and you got the screen. So here we go. But God wants life for us. That's what he wants. He wants life. That's his desire. Jesus came so that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. But we have to, we, we've stepped over from death into life. We have to learn how to live it. It's different. It's awkward. When you're used to making dumb death decisions, making good life decisions doesn't come as naturally as maybe we would like it to. So we have to relearn our choice patterns. And God has designed us and he knows that we learn best by repetition. The truths that God repeats are good indicators for the things that bring us life. He repeats it. He says it multiple times. This, you know, this is a good thing that we need to pay attention to. And, uh, you know, uh, sadly, I use this principle entirely too much with my communication with my wife. And so there are things that if she says at once, I should pay attention to every word she says. I should, but I don't always good. I'm fantastic at zoning out. That's funny. What happened, guys? There we go. I'm in somewhere. Did somebody trip it? Are we on? We're back. listen to me Woo! youth are gonna get me loud we'll get this figured out we'll get this figured out those will come back on any second so you miss fast there we are are we back there we go seriously now i'm gonna have now i'm gonna have to fly through my notes i'm back okay anyways but with repetition Repetition is big. We learn by, we do it with our kids. We go things over and over and over again. We, we even know, to, to know that so many times we don't get things the first time. We encourage our kids, don't give up. You may fail once or twice, and then eventually you get your feet under you and everything, everything's okay. But we learn by repetition. And the Apostle John understood this. And uh, early church historians said that the Apostle John, now this is the Apostle John. 
Apostle John. This is the one that he referred to himself, and God had it penned in Scripture. So it's cool that he did this, but he called himself the one whom Jesus loved. I mean, he felt that, the, the love of God like that. And he was close to God. He writes John. He writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John there towards the back of our Bible. And, um, and he's known as John the Beloved. He really, he really loved God. And as he got old, he lived to be one of the oldest of the apostles. And he would go and visit these churches. And that they said that he would say over and over again, anytime he would stand up before people, or he would walk into some place, or he would go anywhere, he would simply say, little children love one another. Little children love one another. We're getting all sorts of good stuff happening today. Little children. And they're like, why do you keep saying that over and over again? said, you sit at the feet of Jesus. Don't you have something else to say? Then little children love one another. And he said, if you'll do that, you'll cover everything else. That's what Jesus said. Love God, love each other. Everything else hangs on those things. Some things we just don't get. We want to jump on and get into something deeper and heavier. When, when God keeps repeating some of these basic things to us. And we need to learn these things. One we're looking at today is Psalms 2.7. It says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. This concept that God would have a son gets repeated over and over and over again. In fact, Jesus gets called the Son of God so many times. I mean, it's just, it's just hundreds of times throughout the Word of God. But they had to call him that because it was just so unexpected. It was just absolutely so unexpected. And you and I, we're not, I've not run into anybody in Western culture that really bows up. I'm sure there's somebody out there that does, but really bows up and like, why would God have a son? But most of us, we find that endearing. We find that connective. But when Jesus showed up in his culture with the people of Israel, this was a freaky concept. They were not looking for this. In fact, God had done a revolutionary thing by sending his son. Yes, the Greeks had their made-up gods of Hercules and that kind of stuff and all these things that were spawn of God and whatnot. And so, but the people of God, the, the Israelites who were the ones looking for Messiah, looking for a Savior, they had God as one, and that's it. And they were looking for Messiah, but they had never expected him to be divine. They never expected him to, to be God at all. And all of a sudden, God having a son was a crazy concept to them. And so we actually see, and we're going to look a lot at Hebrews, that the first five chapters of Hebrews, talking to the people of Israel uh, in the New Covenant, is a case. That, that first five chapters is a case for why God had a son. Why Jesus needed to exist. And one of the things is, is it seems so unexpected, but really when you look back at Scripture, it was planned. Now, you and I were kind of hardwired in two directions. We like certain things to be planned, right? Planning shows caring. Planning shows intent. Planning shows that there was some, some thought and whatnot put behind this. That's part of the reason why we provide you with the notes, as I stand up before you, I'm not just talking off the top of my head. I thought about it. I prayed about it. I planned it out. I 
wrote, we wrote the notes and put them in your hands. And there's something for you to follow along. And hopefully that brings a little bit of security to you. That, hey, this is, well, there's some planning. But then there's another side of us that wants to throw off all the plans. And we love adventure. And we want to say, we don't want any plans. But here we've got what we really love. What we really love is when those two things come together. When there's this adventure that maybe somebody else planned. That's why we love surprise parties. Love those. Some people love surprise parties. Other people don't. Most of us do. Because then we get it and it was unexpected and it was, it's awesome. And then it hits us. There was all of this work and all of this labor and all of this that was done behind the scenes. Oh my gosh, I get the adventure of the unexpected and the security and the love shown from what was planned. All of these come together. Jesus was this incredible surprise party that came on the scene for the people of Israel. And only looking back in scripture do we begin to see that it was planned the whole time. Let's go ahead and let's look at Proverbs uh, 30 verse 4 it says God <clears throat> or said who has gone up to heaven and come down who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands who wrapped up the waters in his cloak who has established all the ends of the earth we're obviously talking about God we're talking about God here what is his name and what is the name of his son. Tell me if you know. Then we have this in, in, the, uh, in the, the Psalms. And there were all of these hints. All along the way. That God was going to do something. By bringing in a son. In fact we begin that. And we look in Acts chapter 13. When the apostle Paul goes into Antioch. And goes into this area in Turkey. It isn't in, in Israel. But there's a group of Israelite that are there and they're worshiping in a synagogue and Paul goes into a synagogue to begin to tell these people about Jesus and so they have all of this Jewish background and Jewish knowledge and he's talking to them when he tells them this in Acts 13 verse 32 says we tell you the good news what God promised our fathers he has fulfilled for us when he promised our fathers Abraham Isaac and Jacob the promise that he made for them he has fulfilled that this has all come together here fulfilled it for us their children by raising up jesus as it is written in the second psalm you are my son today i have become your father and it's quoting that back there and recognizing in fact folks if we understand this and we look at this the whole point of the thing of with abraham and isaac if you're not familiar with it, Abraham wanted a son. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And God finally brought about when Abraham's an old man. And Sarah is, she's, she's older than anybody in this room. And she has a child. And all of a sudden then that God brings him to the point that he is to, needs to be willing to offer his son back to God as a sacrifice. Which absolutely blows and crazy our mind like crazy god stops him but he was willing to do it in his heart and the new testament says that he had seen himself had already seen him raised from the dead he was he was expected abraham was but the whole promise the whole reason that scenario happened was so that god could bring forth jesus as a, as a son so that god could offer his son that's the beautiful thing about covenant 
is one side can't do something the other side isn't willing to do as well. And Abraham, what he was willing to do is Isaac was to take his one son, his one miracle son, and offer him. God was like, thank you. I've got a man willing to do this. I now have my entrance to be able, I'm going to offer my son, and I'm going to bring him in. He's going to be the real sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the whole point. Him having, God having a son was the whole point. And they had missed it all along. And so I want to spend the rest of our time going, why? Other than that, why did God need a son? Why should we be so excited that Jesus is the Son of God? Why should we find security and hope and, and, and wonder in that? Because there are some things that we need to absolutely never forget. And the first thing is, is Jesus the Son represents the Father. As we read through the scriptures, if you want to learn about the heart of God, and you want to really learn and see how he would interact with you, look how he, Jesus interacted. I'm telling you, if, if maybe if you are a, a lying cheat or a prostitute here today, and you want to know how God would interact with you, if he sat down with you right now, look at what Jesus did. And you see that he'd love you and accept you right where you are. If you feel like you're a little bit better off than some of those, but still, still in need of a Savior, he would meet you right where you are. If you feel like you're pretty stinking good, pretty awesome, I'm at church again. I brought my Bible. I didn't even need that fancy thing that ain't working today. I got paper one. I'm pretty awesome. I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cool about being here. We, we can find out how Jesus would interact with you. Read the part where how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees. We see it. We see it. He's the representation of God. We see that he never made anybody sick. We see that he went around healing and doing good. We see that he loved kids and he invited them to come in. We see that he blew the stereotypes of what it meant to be a religious person of the day. We see that he walked the streets on his own and he didn't go around in some big fancy cart. Have everybody treat him and like that he met people where they were at. If you want to understand God's heart, look at Jesus. Look at it. That's what we're supposed to do. He's the representation of the Father. Hebrews 1 says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He spoke to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things, by the power, <clears throat> by his powerful word. After he'd provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior, superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you're my son today, I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. It was important that God would have a son, that he showed up in physical form and he walked the earth showing how he would interact. Not from a distance, not far away, even though he God's everywhere in this whole huge universe, that he would come and put on skin like you and I and he would interact with us and love us. This is so, so vital that we understand this and we see it and we, we take comfort of that. 
Also, God needed... <coughs> wow, I should have proofread this. <laughs> God needed uh, uh, to... to I don't even know what I'm trying to say here on that first part. There was a gap between God and man. There's a gap. There's a gap in my proofreading. There was a gap between God and man. And it didn't want a, a temporary deal. It wanted it permanently bridged. Permanently filling that deal. And Jesus is that. Jesus is that. That he, that he completely fulfilled that. See, Hebrews 2 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy <coughs> their lives. While they were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He was able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus understands. He understands. No, he didn't go all the way to sin, but he understands. It says that he suffered when he was tempted. It wasn't that the temptation came on and it was a he didn't fall prey to it. He didn't do it. But the, the scripture says he suffered when he was. He didn't like it. We don't like it. He understands that. But he still made the life-giving choice to honor his father. And you and I can do that as well. I don't know if any of y'all read Russ's blog from this last week. But it's a beautiful illustration of this connection. This being permanently done where we have this concept of oil and water not mixing. We all know that, that concept. But we can get them to mix and make this thing called a, an emulsification um, by adding this thing called soap. And the reason that oil and water do not mix is because water is hydrophilic. It loves water. Hydrophilic. And oil is hydrophobic. It doesn't like So they repel and they do not connect. But this, this soap has, what it has is ends on it. One end is hydrophilic. It loves water. And the other end is what's called lipo. No. I think it's called lipophilic. Anyways, it loves the oil. It loves the fat. So here it is. Is this, introduce this thing that, uh, that is, loves both. And permanently connects the two. And all of a sudden we have something that could never be connected. You and I were separated from God. Until Jesus. And when Jesus comes in. Him being 100% man and identifying with us and loving us 100%. And him being 100% God and, and being a part of the Godhead. And loving that perfectly and connecting the two together. We absolutely need that. We should find such beauty and connection in the two that jesus fully connects with us and he fully connects with god hebrews 4 says therefore since we have a great high priest 
who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. I don't know about you, but I find some comfort in that. You know, nobody wants, nobody wants to have somebody coaching them in something that they've never done it. If you want to go learn golf, you want to find somebody that golfs well. Not somebody that's just read a bunch of books about golf and never touched a club. If you want to go and do anything, you want somebody that's done it. And you know, so many times it's, we can go, uh, God, you've asked us to live human and honoring you, but uh, you're kind of, you've never done this, God. It's hard. You're God. Jesus was 100% human. He understood it. That's why he had to come that way. So you and I could connect with that and go, you know what? He really does understand. And when we pray, we, we connect. We connect through the Son. We connect through that one that understands where we are. And this allows us to do that verse 16 of that. This let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. When that Jesus connects, then that fear thing isn't there anymore. Their separation was there because of the phobic part. If both were hydrophilic, both loved water, there'd be no problems. It was the phobic part that messed up. But as soon as we introduce perfect love, it casts out all fear and we're able to connect with God. And then the last thing is, is Jesus, the son, makes us right with the father. See, Hebrews 5 says every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God. And he offers gifts and sacrifices for sin. And he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is a regular human high priest says, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself, but he must be called by God just as Aaron was. So Christ did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today I've become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is able to permanently bridge the gap, to permanently connect us with God. Not something that has to be done over and over and over again, like the old system, or like where we feel like we've got to get saved over and over again, or we've got to do this. No, he bridges the gap permanently. Because you know what? He didn't have to have sacrifices done for him. He didn't. He is, he is sacrifice. He didn't have any of his own sin to cover. So that allows you and I to pile up all of ours onto him. And it is right and it is just that God forgives us. Because uh, it was a, a man lived a sinless life and died a man's death. And so now us sinful man can say, you know what? My sin was covered by that man's death. 
and now mine is covered. It's not that we're just playing God's little game right, and it's just this little, this little shell game, and all of a sudden the, 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 the sin falls off the table. No, it really is dealt with. That's why you and I can be bold and confident about it. Jesus was enough. We don't have to have this weight of sin holding on to us ever again anymore. Will we still do some stupid things? Yeah. But that's because we're learning how to use our new legs. We're learning how to live in our new skin. But the sin, the weight of it isn't held anymore. Jesus took care of that. Jesus, the man, the son of God, 100% man, 100% God took care of it. I'm telling you, it ought to, we ought to just find the Bible repeats it for us over and over again so that we never, ever, ever forget that. Because you know what you and I want to do over and over again, and I talk about this all the time. We want to say, thanks for the boost, Jesus. Thanks for the redo, Jesus. Now, I'm going to go, and I'm going to do so much better. I'm going to do so much better. I'm not going to be an idiot anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then we look up, and we've, whew, we've fallen. Oh, I need another reboost, God. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to make us completely new. He made us right. But we don't need these boosts over and over again. He just set us with God. That little boost as we try to climb, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's just mind-blowing when you think about it. It changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. John 5, 24 says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. It's not that he can someday cross over from death to life. It's done. Death doesn't have its hold on us anymore. Sin doesn't have its hold on us anymore. Yes, we need the Holy Spirit to teach us a new way to make decisions. But that old weight of it is gone. To just like highway signs to get repeated every few miles. To keep us moving in the right direction. God repeated <coughs> his timeless truths so we can keep moving forward in him. Don't ever, ever, ever interact with God without remembering that there, part of the Godhead is a man that understands and, and loves you and took care of all of your shortcomings. We come into him and connect boldly. But I don't let us go after this life with just such energy. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because we've already got it. It changes everything. So this morning, we want to create a moment where if you've never understood this, if you've never understood it that way, if maybe if you showed up this morning and to decide, you know what, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to I'm going to act better and I'm going to make God proud. Um, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Um, we in our own selves we failed miserably, but in Christ we are made right. And if you're here this morning and you want to say yes to that and embrace that you can't do it, but He did, then I want to pray with you. So I appreciate if everybody bow their heads. And we want to create this moment. And if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand. And I want to pray with you.